welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. Before you're seated, I want to turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter 24. I want to read one verse of scripture here, Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? This morning I want to speak on the subject, Is the end near? You may be seated. Is the end near? This morning probably won't be like my normal uh, evangelistic style Sunday morning preaching, but I'm going to try to teach a little bit here and we'll see what, what God does. Now, the disciples asked the same questions that so many of us ask today. When will the end of all things happen? What will it look like? What will be the signs? What should we expect? Is the end near? And the Bible answers this question, but before we get into that, what we must understand is that the Bible is this one big story. And in the book of Genesis, God tells us what happened at the very beginning, how it looked and what took place and how he created all of the things upon the earth, even how long it took. He, he told us all about creation and the beginning of this world. And just as easy as it, as it is for God to go back and explain what happened at the beginning, it is just as easy for him to explain to us what will happen at the end, or in our case, the future. And so the Bible explains to us both what happened at the beginning and what happened at the end or what will happen at the end and has all these prophecies and all of these explanations and Jesus tells different parables in different parts of the Bible. And because of that church, it is understood that, well, God does not want us left in the dark but he wants us to be aware. He wants us to understand the signs of the times and those things that will unfold in the end. Now, that being said, there are many conflicting views on what exactly all of the Bible prophecies mean. But there are many points in which the majority of Christians do agree, such as the return of Jesus Christ, and the fact that there will be this tribulation period and then a future millennium of a thousand years of peace that would then usher in eternity. And even though there are differences in the details of the end times and the exact timeline, there is still this big picture and which has always been the big picture and that is the soon coming of our King. The expectation, church, that Jesus is coming soon. The belief that 
He could take the church out of this world today and begin to turn his focus and attention back to the Jews. This is what the disciples taught. This is what the early church believed. This is what Jesus himself declared, that he would be soon returning. And this church became their ultimate hope. And Paul the apostle taught that the day of the Lord was at hand. And Jesus taught his disciples to watch for his return, saying, You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. Peter said, The end of all things is at hand. James taught the day of the Lord is at hand. John the Revelator said, The time is near. The writer of Hebrews said, Exhort one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. The apostle John said, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is already the last hour. The New Testament writers often wrote of Jesus' appearing. And they never failed to convey the sense that it could happen imminently. This moment, right now, presently, immediately. And Jesus gave uh, many parables, such as the parable of the ten virgins, in which the overall theme and the message of the story is that Christ will return at an unknown hour. And that his people must be ready because we do not know the day nor the hour. In fact, Jesus says in that parable of the five foolish and the five wise, but while the bridegroom was delayed, speaking of himself, speaking of Jesus, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Jesus knew that we would sense this delay. He knew that we would be kind of surprised to see the year 2023. So much so that many would quit believing, many would give up, many would quit praying, and many would quit preaching. They slumbered and slept foolishly, convinced that this delay would go on. But he warns us to not grow comfortable in the delay. Don't fall asleep during the delay. Don't quit Believing during the delay. Don't run out of oil during the delay. Don't quit praying during the delay. Don't quit preaching during the delay because the delay is almost over. In church at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And so... Just because he has given the church this uh, space of 2,000 years of grace does not mean that we have another tomorrow or another next week. It was only a delay. It's only ever been a delay. And by the signs of the times, we can infer that the delay is almost over. That today could be the day. Tonight could be the night. This could be the moment. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Am I ready? Is my heart ready? Is my family ready? Is my home in order? 
These scriptures suggest that in the early church, expectation of his imminent return ran high. When the apostle Paul described the Lord's coming for the church, he used personal pronouns that show that he was clearly convinced himself that he might be among those who would be caught up alive to meet the Lord, saying in 1 Thessalonians, We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, church, this is one of those places in Scripture where we get our understanding of this rapture of the church. No, rapture is not found in the Bible, but the words caught up are. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word rapture is from the Latin meaning caught up. And so often we, the church, we Christians will use the word rapture. But if we don't feel comfortable saying rapture, we can simply say the catching away or being caught up. But either way, we understand it as the same thing. We are waiting on a literal catching away of the church. 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of this saying, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The Lord spoke to the church in Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, in which all scholars nearly believe this refers to the tribulation period. Because you have kept my command to persevere, Jesus tells this to the church, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Unlike other forms of hardship where God would promise to be with us or to strengthen us or to help us in those times of difficulty, the church here appears to be totally kept from this hour of trial or tribulation altogether. Jesus saying to that Christian church in Philadelphia, I will keep you from this hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so when we put that verse in context with everything else the disciples taught and what Jesus taught that he could return at any given moment and that we would never be able to pin that moment down. It is clear that God is going to take the church out of the world before that last hour of trial and testing that will come upon the whole world. And so they understood, and, and so should we, that Christ is soon returning for his church. And there is nothing that we are waiting on today at this point except for the return of the church. And then God will then begin to turn his attention to Israel, the Jews, which Jeremiah the prophet would call this the time of Jacob's trouble. The term itself is quite self-explanatory, a time of trouble or tribulation towards Jacob. 
which is synonymous with the land of Israel. And so it is clear that this time of tribulation that will come upon the world is directed specifically to Israel and not the church, hence the phrase, Jacob's trouble. Church, I always like to make the point that when we try to understand this rapture of the church, we understand it as this act of deliverance from trouble. God has this reputation throughout his word. He's always delivered the righteous and scattered the wicked, just like he did with Noah in the flood. It was this cleansing of the earth. And that's exactly what the tribulation period is. It's this cleansing period in which God is completing his discipline of the nation of Israel, turning them back to him and ultimately taking back his people. But the church has already put on Christ and we've been made righteous by the blood of the lamb. We've already been washed by the blood and judged at the cross. That's why scripture says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word wrath there is synonymous with tribulation, which in context speaks about the hour of tribulation that will come upon the world, for that was what Paul was addressing to the Thessalonians. And so, the big picture is that we believe that there is going to be this catching away of the church there will be this time of tribulation before God establishes his kingdom here on earth. Satan will be bound in that time for a thousand years. There will be peace upon the earth. And then God in that time will restore his original plan upon this earth. After that will be the last judgment in which there will be eternal rewards for the righteous. And there will be eternal judgment for the unrighteous. That's the big picture. And so the church, we today, should be ready at all times. For we, the church, are waiting and anticipating the imminent return of our King Jesus. As stated in Titus 2 and 13, the hope of the church has always been the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is our ultimate hope that today most definitely could be that day of his wonderful return. Today could be that day, church, that the Lord would deliver us from our decaying bodies, our failing flesh, and this dark world. It is our ultimate hope. That being said, I would like to stop here for just a moment and say that there is no moment more important than the moment right now. Right now, we could make decisions that would change our eternity. As we wait for the soon coming of our King, we can reshape our eternity today by kneeling at the cross and repenting of our sins. Peter preached, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive that same gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's so important to make sure we're ready. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Marvel not, do not be surprised that I say unto thee, you must be born again. 
that's the most important message. You don't have to have all the, the Bible figured out. You don't have to have the end times figured out. You, you don't have to have the Old Testament memorized and the New Testament memorized. But you do need to be born again. The most important thing, person watching online, is that you are born again. The most important thing is that we obey the New Testament plan of salvation for there isn't much more time today. Today is the day of salvation. The end of all things is at hand. We are living in the last hour. I said it two weeks ago, but the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Church, wake up. We're living in the 11th hour. World, wake up. We're living in the 11th hour. People, person, watching online, wake up. We're living in the 11th hour. Soon the clocks will tick no longer. Those who sleep will be awakened and those not ready will be shaken for he is coming. Surely he is coming at the midnight hour. He said, behold, I come quickly. Now, what signs are we seeing? I want to share what I believe is one of the most important and obvious signs of the times. I'm fully aware that the Bible gives us so many signs to look for, and we'll probably get back into this sometime soon. But for the sake of time today, I want to share a very important and quite obvious sign that Jesus said to look for. Now, our scripture today comes from Matthew 24, where the disciples ask Jesus, when will the end come. I do want to say real fast, it is easy to get quite confused if you're opening up to Matthew 24 and you read it down the whole chapter. It's easy to get confused because sometimes the Bible speaks about the catching away of the church and then other times it is speaking about the very end of the world before the time of the thousand year millennium when he will rule and reign with the saints. And so it's easy to get confused. The tribulation period has very, very, very little to do with the church and everything to do with God's people, the Israelites. And though I do believe people, the Gentiles, will be able to be saved. I believe there will be a remnant of people saved during the tribulation period outside of the Jews. God's ultimate focus does become the Jews. It becomes uh, the nation of Israel. And so Jesus begins to answer the disciples, but not in the way that they thought. In fact, Jesus would say some things they didn't want to hear, such as the destruction of the temple and that Israel would cease to exist saying they would be scattered and destroyed. Jesus foretells the complete destruction of Israel and the disbursement of the Jewish people, something that nobody actually believed could happen. But after 40 years, after the crucifixion of Christ in the year 70 AD, that prophecy was fulfilled. And the Roman army invaded the nation of Israel, killing over a million Jews, scattering the rest of the remnant that was left, and destroying the temple, so much so that not one stone was left on top of another, just as Jesus foretold in Matthew 24. 
But what does this have to do with us today? How is this a sign of the end times? Before Jesus had prophesied about the destruction of the temple and the Jewish people, it was foretold by many of the prophets of old and Jeremiah the prophet being one of them that Israel would one day gather again and return to their native land and they would eventually become a nation again. Jesus too alluded to this by telling this parable in Matthew 24 about a dead fig tree coming back to life at the end of days. Jesus said, learn this parable of the fig tree. Now, the fig tree has always been understood to represent the nation of Israel. And Jesus talks about, in Matthew 24, how when you see this fig tree, when you begin to see it blossom, that will be the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. The fig tree being symbolic of Israel. When you begin to see that fig tree budding and coming back to life. No, my return is near. This is the generation that shall see my return. And so the Bible is clear that the end of days would begin with the rebirth of Israel. This is a big deal. Seemingly impossible because there's never been a nation in all of history that's been completely destroyed, scattered among all of the other populations in the world, yet somehow being reborn in their original homeland with their original language and their original heritage intact. But church, after 1,800 years, the impossible would happen, and we all know that on May the 14th, 1948, after the World War II and the Holocaust, the nation of Israel was reborn and the Jewish people were once again gathered together in their homeland. The action being ordered by the United Nations, the first and only time the UN had created a new state by way of a general assembly vote. 1948, May the 14th, the nation of Israel is reborn. Never has a nation been out of its land for 1,800 years, then comes back to become a nation. And so either all of the prophets of old and Jesus himself just so happened to get it right thousands of years ago, or they really did know what they were talking about, that when you begin to see the Jewish people gather back together and the nation of Israel be reborn, Know that the Lord's coming is near. Even at the door, the Bible says, for this generation will by no means pass away. And so this year in the month of May, Israel will turn 75 years old. We must be getting very, very close to the end of that generation, which saw the rebirth of Israel in 1948. I don't know how much time we have left, but I know it can't be much. For the generation that saw Israel begin to bud shall not pass away. 
Nobody knows the day nor the hour, but Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 33, when you see these things happen, you can know for sure my return is soon, even at the door. Church, we are living in the last hour. We're seeing signs all over the world, but the significance, I believe, is not that we see one sign or two signs or three or or four, but we are seeing all of these signs at the same time. Knowledge is increasing, as Scripture has said. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes, we're seeing them in various places. Nations have risen against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. By the way, if you research that church, you'll learn that it's not just your average conflict, but that actually refers to world wars. There's been this great increase in global conflict in just the last hundred years or so. World War I, World War II, who knows what's next? Many of the nations hold the capability of taking out entire nations with nuclear weapons. Our entire world could be devastated overnight. And so we are seeing signs of the last days. Wickedness is increasing like never before, just like it said in Matthew 24. Not only are things like homosexuality being praised and accepted, but things such as transgenderism, people questioning their own gender. They were born a male, now they want to be a female. They were born a a female, now they want to be a male. And now we live in a day where technology and knowledge has increased so much that it allows it. They are changing their gender. If you want to, then you can go change your gender with, uh, on your passport, your driver's license, your social security file records. The government will comply. You can change your gender. Talk about a whole new level of evilness and wickedness and confusion. And besides all of that, we are finally living in a day where Israel has been gathered back together after 1,800 years. And the generation that sees this shall not pass away. And so all of these things are happening, church. I'm almost done. But it is the devil's game. It is the devil's game to cause us to doubt and to keep believing I've got another tomorrow and I've got another next week, and I've got another year, and this world is going to keep on turning. But that's not so. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. We are living in the 11th hour. The Lord has sent watchmen to speak the word and give warnings to the church. We are living in the 11th hour. It is the job of the watchman to sound the alarm at the approach of the enemy and blow the trumpet in the ears of the sleeping sinner to wake them up. We are living in the 11th hour. There are signs all around us, but not just that. God has regathered his people. We are living in the 11th hour. The delay is almost over. He is even at the door. We are living in the 11th hour. The Son of Man is coming at a time we do not expect. We are living in the 11th 
hour. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trumpet church. We are living in the 11th hour. Jesus left us with these words, surely I am coming quickly. We are living in the 11th hour. Church, we must cast off all of our works of darkness and return to the cross, for we are living in the 11th hour. We must be ready. Our hearts must be ready. Our homes must be ready. Our family must be ready, for we are living in the 11th hour. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.